Good morning, everyone. To those uh, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting, my name is Jason. I'm the pastor of New Hope Church. As you could tell from Shaheen reading the scripture today, we're a multicultural church, and we love to share the hope that we found in Jesus. It's the hope that brings us together despite all of our diversity, being from different places, having different cultures. It's because Jesus has saved us, and we want to be a prophetic witness in this city of, of the power of Jesus to unite people, especially in such a divided time. Um, before we go to God's word, I just want us to pray once again. You know, I know what it's like on a Sunday morning when we're gathering here together. We're probably still thinking about what happened yesterday, or you're still thinking about a conversation you had today, or you might already be thinking about what you're going to have for lunch. Um, and so I know what it's like to just be distracted. And so let's just bring our hearts together to think about the extraordinariness of this moment. That we as the church are gathered here together and that God meets with us. So let's ask him, because he's here, to speak to us. Dear Father, we thank you again that despite all the different things that we may feel hour to hour, minute to minute, despite the unpredictability of it, Lord, that we could take this to the bank, that we can count on you, that you are the same, and that your promises never fail, and that your heart towards us is always one of compassion, eagerness to show mercy and love and to give us good things. And right now, Father, what we ask for, that good thing we ask for is the gift of your voice spoken to our hearts so that we may be changed and be drawn closer to you would you give that to us, Lord? Take this time right now to ask God in your own way for the Lord to speak to you, trusting that he actually wants to. Amen. There aren't many things that New Yorkers value more than time. We don't like people to waste our time. Um, I, I know whenever, I know a lot of people have this idea that New Yorkers are rude, and I don't think New Yorkers are rude. I just don't think you, they like you to waste their time. If you need help, they'll help, but if you ask them again, then they get annoyed, right? Don't waste their time. We may wish that we made a better use of time. You realize that the day has just gone away from you, and there's not, you didn't accomplish very much, and you didn't use time the way that you wanted to, or you wish you had more time, that there aren't enough hours in the day to do all the things that you want to do. But it's not just time in general that we're obsessed with. We know that timing matters as well. You may have personal stories about being in the right time at the right place. Like pivotal moments in your life. You just found out about a certain job or a gig because you happened to be at an event where you met somebody new who knew someone who opened a door for you to do what you're doing now. Or it may not be that serious. You got that apartment because you happened to be walking by that day and you met the landlord or something like that. And the experience isn't always positive either. Like, have you ever barely missed a train and wondered, oh, what could I have done differently, right? Like, you just barely missed the doors. If I, if I just left, left a little earlier or if that person in front of me wasn't walking so slowly, then maybe I would have made it, right? And so every day our experience with time can lead us to joy, to grief, frustration, and sometimes fear. This morning, we're continuing our series called Fear No More, where we look at all the times that Jesus said, do not fear. 
or do not be afraid. And he gives people reason for, a reason for why they shouldn't be afraid. And we want to look at how his words can reassure us today with the fears and anxieties that we wrestle with. And in our passage this morning, we meet a man who's afraid that he has run out of time. He's afraid that it's too late, or more specifically, that Jesus is too late. And to make this more meaningful, I want you to think about a situation in your life right now that you really need God to be on time. Like, time is of the essence. You feel the sense of urgency, but you're not sure if Jesus does. And you fear that he may be too late. Our question today is, what do we do then? What do we do when we fear it's too late? We can do two things. The first, we can remember that Jesus doesn't change. And the second thing, we can remember that Jesus has the final word. Let's look at the first one. Remember that Jesus doesn't change. Let's read again from chapter 8, verse 41 through 50. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touch me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling at it and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe, and she will be healed. So Jairus is a synagogue leader, which means he has some social standing. What's happened to his daughter would have been well known. I mean, the town would have known about it. And the situation was that his 12-year-old daughter was dying, and now Jesus is the only hope. This synagogue leader, I mean, if he was involved in, other, uh, in, in relationships with other religious leaders, probably was deterred in approaching Jesus because they were somewhat antagonistic to Jesus. But the situation is so dire that he decides to finally go and fall at Jesus' feet and pleads with Jesus to come and heal his daughter. Jesus agrees and goes with him, but then we read that he's interrupted by a woman who also needs healing, and Jesus heals her. And after this interaction, someone comes from Jairus' house and tells him, your daughter is dead. In other words, it's too late. Like, there's no point in troubling the teacher anymore. Let's not bother him anymore, right? That probably is like an honor-shame thing, right? Like, instead of, yeah, your daughter is dead, but let's not waste his time, right? But, I mean, but whatever it is, like, the point is, it's too late. And we don't know what Jairus thought or said in that moment, but this is what we know. Like, he was scared because of what Jesus said. Like, he had every reason to believe, to, or, or, or at least to think, like, I'm glad this woman has healed Jesus, but I asked you first, right? Like, I came to you first. Like, you, you stopped and had this conversation with her. Like, you, you, you took your time when my daughter was dying. He could have thought that. Or if we didn't stop and we just could have kept walking, we would have been there by now. But now it's too late. 
You could have thought that, and you might have been justified. We're not sure. But because Jesus says, do not be afraid, just believe, we know that there was some kind of fear in his heart, right? That maybe this is now beyond Jesus' control. It sounds like Jesus wants him to be in denial, but that's not, I don't think that's the case. Right? He says she'll be made well, and it sounds like Jesus wants him to be in denial of what's actually happened, but I think Jesus knows that the daughter is dead. Jesus knows reality more than anybody else, right? He's not in denial, and I don't think he wants Jairus to be in denial either. He just wants Jairus to accept the greatness of the one who still walks with him, and therefore there is reason to hope. He wants Jairus to know that even though the circumstances have changed, the details surrounding the circumstances have changed, but Jesus has not. So therefore, we don't need to be afraid. I may have told you before that I love road trips. I love getting the playlist ready, my podcast downloaded, going and getting my coffee prepared, getting some snacks, an entire pack of gum that I can chew through in about an hour or two, right, before I even get there, right? Everything is ready. I even have my advanced safety features, also known as Jothi, my wife. Because at some point in every trip, she's going to alert me to some danger. Like I'll be driving, listening to my podcast, and all of a sudden I'll hear someone scream, Look out! And I don't know what to look at, so I just slam the brakes. Right? I'm simultaneously looking at where is the danger and where is a place of safety at the same time, and I'm freaked out. And i got to say, just to her credit, she has saved us several times. But in that moment, what's most disorienting is, yeah, it's the danger, the imminent threat that might be there, but it's also what's really disorienting is you don't know where to look. You know what that's like? I feel like this is what it's like when we fear it's too late. Especially if there's something that you're praying for and that you've been hoping for for some time. And all of your attention and all of your focus has been there for months and years. Your, all of your hopes have, have been upon this particular thing. And when it's gone and it's too late, you just don't know where to look anymore. Like what now? Like that's what's disorienting. Where do I set my gaze? Where, how do I gather myself again now that it's too late? Too late for that relationship to be healed. Too late to go back in time and make a different choice or chart a different path. Too late to choose a different career or, or vocation. Or too late to say sorry to someone who has passed away or is no longer in your life. Too late for physical healing for you or for someone you love. When something has taken so much of your time, effort, and energy and it carried your hope and now it's gone. Can we still hear Jesus' words to say, don't be afraid? It's like what he's telling Jairus is here. Your, your focus has been here, but now you can still look to me. I haven't changed. The circumstances have changed, but he is not. His power is the same. His compassion is the same. His love and commitment to us to do good to us has not changed. His wisdom hasn't changed. His authority is the same. And so we don't have to be in denial of what's happened. We can just accept the greatness of the one who still walks with us. And he has not changed. Now, this does not mean, you know, Jesus told Jairus, she's going to be made well. And there's, there are times where we could read that and think, oh, the real comfort is in that statement, that she will be made well. And therefore, what I'm praying for really still can be mine. Now, it might be. 
But I don't know if we have that guarantee. Right? This doesn't mean that what we're praying for, the person we're praying for will be healed in this life. It doesn't mean that we will be healed or that job will be ours or that relationship will be restored or everything we want in this life will be ours. That's not what it means. But I don't think that's what should give us courage. Because sometimes it is too late to go back in time. Like we can't do it. Or there are times where things can't change. But we can still hope. We still have reason for courage because of who God is and what he can do with our loss. If you were with us in 2019, um, one, uh, and, and it carries on to our, the story of our church, a major part of our church's story is that we didn't have a place to gather for a long time. In 2019, when we were still gathering a, a team and finding out, like, okay, who's interested to come and start this church with us in, in Hamilton Heights, we were meeting in all kinds of places. We met in the community hall or community room of, someone, of a residential building, and then we were at the Emmaus House, which is a, a food pantry in central Harlem. Then we were at a Catholic chapel at West 142nd, not too far from here. Um, and then when they decided to sell that place and renovate it, they put us in a spare room, uh, like, uh, like in the building next door, right? And I'm telling you, this happened in a span of like nine months. Like every few months, we were, we were, I was like telling the community, okay, we're going to get up and we're going to go somewhere else. And we finally got into a banquet hall in January of 2020, and then COVID hit three months later, and everything shut down. And about 16 months after that, actually February of 2021, the banquet hall called us and said, okay, the city's opened up. I don't know what phase they were in, but basically spaces like the banquet hall could gather people again. So th they asked us, do you want, do you want to meet in, our, in, 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 the, in the hall again? And I remember talking to our leaders, now, just to give some more background. When we were meeting in the banquet hall, like, they did not allow us to store anything there. So we had to hire a, a moving company to, like, get things from storage at, like, 151st here and to move it over. And then we were unloading and loading everything. And it was, like, about an hour and a half that we had that space. And I remember asking some of our volunteers and leaders, hey, there's an opportunity for us to get together here again. And it looked like... They're, it, it looked like death for them. Like, they were like, please don't tell us we have to go through all of that again. And so I called them back, and I said, like, look, we're, we're just not ready for it. We're, it's, it's not, we're not going to, we can't do it. Um, and in the next few months, we were looking for a place to gather, and it's like every time we went somewhere, it looked like there was some kind of opportunity, that door shut. And at one point, I remember looking back and thinking, man, it's too late. Did we miss our chance? Like, was that where we were supposed to gather? Like, they were, they were open to us. We could have had a place to gather, and now we have, like, nowhere to be. We ended up being on the second floor of a cafe at 145th Street. Like, we were meeting on the second floor there in this, like, 13 by 60 hall that was, like, it was, like, air, airplane-style seating. Like, it was, like, three, uh, like, six chairs separated by an aisle. Like, that's where we would worship, right? Thank God for this gym, by the way, <laughs> you know? Um, like, I, I thought, did we miss our chance? Like, is it too late now? Like, where would we look then? And I, in those moments when the details change, okay, like, here's an opportunity. Oh, all of our hope is there. The door shuts. Where am I going to look to? Where are we going to look to? The circumstance changed, but God did not. Not the one who's led us all this time. Not the one who continues to lead us. He is still wise. He is still good. He is still loving. He is still compassionate. He is still in authority. All of creation still obeys his command. What are we afraid of? 
See, in that moment, you're looking for a place. Your eyes want to land somewhere. And you can be fearful when you're not sure where to look. But in that moment, it's like Jesus looks at us and says, do not fear. You can look to me. I haven't changed. Even in the midst of death, he's supposed to be our anchor because he has not changed. Even when the the diagnosis is so dire that, that it seems irreparable, unchangeable, knowing that he does not change, knowing the one, knowing that he walks with us should give us courage. We can look to the one who never changes, who still walks with us, and because of that, we don't need to be afraid. So think again about that thing that you're fearing where it's too late. You're not sure if it's too late or you're thinking God needs to be on time. Where is your gaze right now? Who or what has your attention? We can find courage if we remember that he doesn't change. That's the first thing. The second thing. We can also remember that Jesus has the final word. Let's pick up again from verse 50. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, do not be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. What an act of faith for Jairus. To hear the report of the person who came from his house saying that your daughter is dead, and then to hear Jesus say, Do not be afraid, but still believe, only believe she'll be made well, and then actually walk with Jesus to the house. Like, what, what does he have to believe in that moment? Like, what an act of faith. Knowing your daughter has died, but also knowing what Jesus has said. But he continues to walk. And this is what so much of our Christianity is like. We continue to walk, facing reality, knowing that Jesus has the final word in every circumstance. He's like living on the edge of hope. I feel like so much of our lives is like this. There's two things that we hold simultaneously as we live in this dangerous world where, yes, there is actual terror, right, all around, things that we could see and cannot see or things that we fear in life. Our, our, Our Christian life can feel like this, where we hold both the fear of loss, loss of things we love, loss of people we love, and yet at the same time, the hope of resurrection. And that's what it must have been like for Jairus. Every step is fear of loss and yet the hope of resurrection. He's living at the edge of hope. He walks with Jesus, unafraid, facing reality, knowing that Jesus has the final word. And when they get to the house, people are mourning. It could be people that know Jairus or it could be people, professional mourners, who would go and mourn with people in those days. And they're crying, they're weeping, and rightfully so. Because they're facing reality too. Right? And Jesus tells him to stop and that the girl is not dead but only asleep. And, and, and he meant that this is temporary, that, you know, she's ultimately going to live. But we're not sure if they, they take Jesus literally or not. But because of that, they laugh at him because they, they know that the girl is dead. They're facing reality. 
They laugh because they get the pain and suffering in this world. They know how death works. They understand death. They know death. But they don't understand him, the giver of life. And sometimes that is the difference between despair and cynicism and hope. They don't understand that there is reason for hope because Jesus has the final word even in this situation. Now, I want you to know that this is not putting on rose-colored glasses on everything or trying to find the silver lining. It's not that. Even this week as I was preparing this message, I spoke with to friends who deal with crippling anxiety and depression, tragedy and loss. A good friend of mine found out, not from, the, not from New York, but found out that he has stage 3 cancer and just had to have surgery recently. Another person I love just lost his mom to cancer this week. So I'm reading this and I'm thinking about what does it mean for Jesus for, to, for him to have the final word and for that to give us encouragement when death happens, when there's loss, when people lose their loved ones, when they're depressed and, or they're anxious and they don't know why. You see, we will experience suffering, tragedy, and loss in this world. And there are times when it will be too late based on things that we expect and we desire. But all that suffering will do something to us. You'll either become someone who laughs at hope or you'll become someone who laughs at death. There's so many people who have gone before us who were tortured, persecuted, prayed for their persecutors. They experienced loss, loss of possessions and homes and loved ones, and they gave up their very lives. But despite all of this suffering, when they could have been cynical, they learned still to laugh at death. We have centuries of saints who have gone before us who would sing, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? That suffering could have made them cynical and they could have become people who laughed at hope as a result of it. But they became people who laughed at death. Because Jesus rose from the dead. They sang it because they know that death, though it comes to us all, will not have the final word. It didn't for Jairus' daughter. and It doesn't have to have the final word for us. Even though we die and we experience loss, we will live again. As sure as Jesus is alive today, that is our guarantee. If you're a Christian and you've put your hope in Jesus and you believe that he is alive, not as some abstract idea, not as a concept, or even as some kind of ghost, but his body has risen from the dead and he is alive, if that's you today, then this is not wishful thinking. You believe that death and all the loss associated one day will be reversed, that we will live again. That Jesus has the final word. So we don't need to be afraid. Even when we fear it's too late. So what does this mean? It means that he can still give you something. Let's say it is too late. Let's prepare ourselves for the worst. Because I think that's part of our Christian journey. We've got to be able to brace ourselves for the worst. And still ask, what are we going to do then? What are we going to look to then? What's going to be of our, come of our faith if it doesn't happen the way that we want? we got to believe that he can still give us something. And I love the way that James K.A. Smith puts it in his book, How to Inhabit Time, about what grace can give us in the midst of life's worst. He writes, Grace, we have said, 
is overcoming, not undoing, not effacing, not regretful, but overcoming. There is something scandalous about the way God takes up all of it, the heartbreak and sorrow, the evil and injustice, and forges it into the singular life that is mine, that is me. It is this me, the fruit of zigs and zags, stitches and scars, who is then renewed, empowered, and called. None of this justifies, justifies or excuses the heartbreak. But to be human is to be the product of a history that should have been otherwise. That's such a great line. To be human is to be the product of a history that should have been otherwise. That's what it means to live in a world off kilter due to sin and evil. And yet, even this past, reflecting upon his own life, even this past has given me something, made me someone. In the remarkable economy of God's grace, I was given something. I guess what I'm trying to say here today is that even when you fear it's too late and there is genuine loss, Jesus can still give you something. And that something might be tangible, like your 12-year-old daughter coming back to life. Someone you can touch and see. It may be that, right? It may be something as dramatic and remarkable as that. Or if it's not that, he can still give something in you. He may change you transform you into a person who has learned to laugh in the face of death because of the hope you have in Christ. Yes, the circumstance may change, and it may be what we dreaded, but Jesus will not. He has the final word, and that alone, friends, is reason enough to not be afraid. Let's pray. I'm going to ask artists to come forward. you are a person who is with genuine desires and expectation for something in your life. And you wonder if God will be on time. Instead of thinking about his timing and trying to predict when he may do something or if he may do something, would you just direct your gaze to what is even more substantial than that? What you know not what you don't know, but what you know. What do you need to know about God? What attribute of his, what character trait do you need to hold on to right now so that you won't be afraid?